Cool. Okay, we're live. Joined by my favorite clients of all time today, Dr. Lisa Creven, who is the co-founder of Spotlight Oral Care, and Siobhan Nolan, who is head of marketing. Welcome, guys. Why don't we start off and you give us a background, Lisa, on how you started the brand, and then Siobhan, maybe you can give an intro on your position as well in the company. Sure. Uh, so my name is Lisa Craven. I'm one of the co-founders of Spotlight Oral Care. So I am a dentist and along with my sister, about five years ago, we set up a Spotlight Oral Care and it was really in response to a disconnection between what we know to be true as dentists and what is available for customers to buy when they go in store or online. Uh, everything we do in practice is like so based on science, research, um, and data and then what we would see in store is like to be to be honest kind of like trend-led healthcare messages um, so we wanted to create an oral care company that was best in class and that what, what that means is um, clinically proven active ingredients targeting your own individual needs as a customer because you have individual oral health needs um, sustainably packaged and ethically sourced and so we launched five years ago we're available across Europe um, in the US we're omni-channel so we're in uh, DTC um, and in retailers, notably in the US or in CVS on Target.com and Ulta. Um, so yeah, we've had great growth and we're excited to continue the growth. Awesome. Siobhan? Uh, so I'm Siobhan. Um, I'm the VP of Marketing at Spotlight. I joined almost two years ago. Um, and at that point, Spotlight was predominantly a retail uh, business. And since then, we've kind of tried to really lead the growth across direct to consumer and, you know, grow our owned and organic channels as well as the performance and paid media aspect. Um, I come from a really varied background uh, before I joined Spotlight. So pure nonprofits uh, into politics, into digital marketing and beauty brands then so here here we are and it's been uh you know an amazing opportunity to work in a founder-led company um but also to you know i suppose the the growth that we've had across d2c over the last two years has been like an amazing roller coaster to have been on as well so awesome okay before we come on to leah's yellow teeth first <laughs> harsh harsh <laughs> Hey, I've been using spotlight stuff for my teeth fairly white. I, I did actually give her some five and strips. I said she needs to do more than me. You don't have to take that now. He's got to see me on Monday. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, sticking on um, the retail message that you mentioned before, because when I first spoke to you guys, like, you said COVID really accelerated the D2C side of the business. Were you traditionally going into retail and then when COVID came about, it was just a, just a quick transition online or was it always a cornerstone of the strategy? And after obviously it becoming predominantly D2C, has it changed your perspective on the strategy in retail? Like how did that work out? So, I mean, I think when we started the company, it was very much like a very organic, you know, growth like it wasn't there was no huge strategy when we started at first we launched first into retail um so we launched into pharmacies and and like beauty stores really in ireland um and i think the reason that that was so successful initially was because going into pharmacy it's naturally a very good space for us because everything we do is like 
science backed and all focused on proper ingredients so pharmacists want to support products that actually work so that was actually a really good fit for us um but a lot of our marketing from the start was all pretty much online in terms of influencer marketing and the support was really online even for a retail um initial kind of start um we had definitely always planned to um, accelerate our our dtc growth um and I think there was a great timing issue there as well as COVID kicked off that really accelerated that growth. But that was definitely on the cards for us to go deeper into that area because that's where our customer is. Our customer we know is spending more and more time on DTC and is very engaged across social. So um, kind of as founders and faces of the brand, we wanted to spend a lot more time on DTC and that focus. I think retail versus DTC is very dependent on the market that you're in. I mean, we are available across like Ireland, UK and, and Europe, and we see DTC is so powerful there. I mean, and then there's in the US, there's no denying the power of a US retailer. So um, I think they're totally different um, in terms of how you approach it and you have strengths and weaknesses. And as long as you're recognizing how different they are and what strengths you have in retail and what are the opportunities in retail. Um, I think that you have to be omnichannel, I think, for a lot of brands. And it's really, really important that to us um, that we are omnichannel. So we were predominantly uh, retail. Now we're 60, 40 D to C. And it's very likely in the next year or two we'll be, you know, could be even 60 or 70 percent retail again. So um i think it depends on where you are as a company and what your long-term goals in terms of where you want to be but for us it's very much omni-channel in terms of our approach yeah that's interesting i think you're, you're right you have to have that physical availability everywhere to make the product easy to pick up and consume before we go on to the us you talked about the forms being in the pharmacies in ireland i've spoke to a few brands and like health supplements as well and they always talk about getting into the irish pharmacies is that because there's like a really strong community there such a strong community and also um i think irish pharmacy is amazing in terms of the training and the level of knowledge that their team members have mm -hmm. in store i think they do a phenomenal job in terms of education and driving awareness of brands um, and I think it's a really super channel for brand awareness, getting your brand started. And we see year on year growth in Irish pharmacy. And it's honestly down to the skill set of amazing Irish people. And we're so intelligent and smart. So, <laughs> you know, like this, this comes down to our pharmacy channel also. So it's, it's, it's an amazing channel. It's something I, I'm really proud of and proud to be associated with Irish pharmacy. Well, definitely can't say scalps is a smart, but anyway, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna let Leah take over for a minute. Um, so leasing on from what you were saying, obviously from using the Irish pharmacies to working within the US, we, me and Adam kind of had a bit of a chat about this before. It can sometimes be really hard going from the UK to going over to the US and trying to crack it. What are the, have you had any challenges? Have you had to bring up any different marketing strategies, especially for just the US market? Like Siobhan, I think this is probably a bit more towards you. So yeah, have you come up with any more uh, strategies for the US? I think, you know, you have to look, as Lisa said, at all of the markets, very individual and, you know, say for example in Ireland and 
you know, to the UK to a certain extent, we had huge brand awareness when you're moving into D2C mm. and you can really capitalize on your customer already knowing who you are. When you're moving into a new market, you know, you need to allow sufficient budget going into your spend that is solely on brand marketing and just getting your brand positioning across the line. And, you know, I suppose the main thing there is the US is such an expensive place to market in versus uh, Europe that you need to have sufficient budget within your your strategy to actually grow there. It is very tough. We would find that, you know, particularly from a D2C perspective, you know, they're buying uh, lower average order value items than we would see in Ireland and the UK. So our strategy has to pivot into that. But as a brand, you know, the more we grow in retail within the US, the better it will be for the company yeah. overall and the more organically our D2C will grow uh, along with that. So we find, you know, every aspect, every single customer touch point is different from Ireland to the UK, to the US. And it's not really Europe versus the UK. It's yeah. just re-looking at, you know, the audience profile and your customer personas and who's engaging with you and what content do they want to see and what discount do they need to see? Or, you know, what added value do they need to see? Do they need to see subscription? And it takes a while to get to that point and you need probably 12 months of learning. So it is a big financial um, you know, strategy to do that. But I think that that's really where you see the the challenge in it is how expensive it is to market there, but also allowing yourself that time to take those learnings and then, you know, continually pivoting your strategy based upon what's working. Yeah. yeah. Just wanted to ask, um, obviously you mentioned about branding. It's so important. I think in America, I mean, over here, it's, I think Europe, the UK, I, like we look at branding in a specific way. We have household names. That's what we go for. You kind of, it's kind of ingrained in you. Like if your family buys something, you end up buying something. And it, it goes like that. Have you seen anything different in America in the way that people buy like that? Is it household names as well? Is there any specific advice that you'd give to someone going, right, okay, if you want to go and crack America, do this. Like, is there any specific things that you've picked up on? I think you need to like look at your market research in terms of what your USP is versus those household brands. And you're totally right. Like consumer behavior leads people to buy what they also bought, always bought or what their families bought or, you know, what color they like maybe for when it comes to oral care when they're in the supermarket, you know, maybe red stands out more. But if you can get your messaging right in terms of your packaging and also, you know, your point of sale or, you know, how you're displayed across your D2C and what differentiates you from your competitors, it'll organically grow. Um, and then leveraging word of mouth then from that point, you know, so if it's very clear to your consumer why you are a differentiator towards those other brands, they'll tell other people about it too. Yeah, it's really interesting going back to what you said about using retail to create brand awareness as well. We've worked with some amazing brands like you guys and others as well who they've done really well in Europe, like Germany, the US, uh, sorry, Germany, the UK, different countries like the Netherlands. But when it comes to the US, they're like the AOV, they just can't scale the brands because they're losing money when they try to acquire customers. And they've basically pivoted the strategy and said, okay, first we need to get into Target and Walmart, and then we can lower the acquisition cost and grow the brands online there. It's super interesting to see the difference. I yeah. think when you look at different brands in the US as well, like, 
you know, in Europe, you might you might have you might be on DTC and Amazon and you're in retail and you're on other online retailers. You know, in the US, a lot of times people will launch in one channel or two channels and, mm -hmm. and they focus down on where they want success. So I think a key learning is to be really careful in terms of picking the channel that suits you better and, and, and aligns with your business goals. Because if you spread yourself too thin, you're just not going to get anywhere. And just because you're huge in retail, it doesn't actually mean it's going to even trickle down to D2C. Just because you're great on Amazon doesn't mean anything in another channel. So um, it's just about being really careful about what channels you're in and making sure that you, you're growing success after success as a part, as, as opposed to going too broad initially yeah I think that's a reason as well like why you know when you look at like case studies of brands who've gone to the US and they've been in retail they really leverage Amazon as their second channel before going to D2C because it's just a trusted marketplace and they know that okay maybe their acquisition cost there might be slightly higher you know trying to compete with you know huge brands on there in terms of competitive keywords etc but if you can if you can do that successfully it also helps with your brand awareness you know yeah absolutely makes sense yeah it's, it's an interesting market um someone needs to start off a niche how to crack america like that's an agency within itself <laughs> good luck to them <laughs> so, so this is um something we've been back and forth on over a few months and i know um especially for a lot of founders as well in the sustainability when they create a great product and they've got a sustainability angle to it as well they really try to leverage that and push it because it's important to them and obviously it's nice to know that you're making a difference in the world as well and me and leah were speaking to matt at fussy last week about um he also has a natural deodorant brand and mm -hmm. saying you know, first and foremost, the consumers want a product that works. That's the most important thing. And then the sustainability aspect is, well, it is secondary to them. Like, is that frustrating for you, knowing that consumers think that way? Like, and has that made you emphasize the messaging less? Yeah, like, I think sustainability is such a key um, aspect to any business. You know, I think in particular, oral care, like, most oral care brands like the big players have such a to be honest like such a despicable record in terms of like you know their impact on the environment child slave labor deforestation i mean if you just google amnesty plus any of the bigger brands you'll you'll see a kind of litany of of poor performance but i do think i don't think people buy products because they're sustainable i think that it's honestly you it's just necessary you have to be sustainable you have to have an aspect to your business that you're looking at and you're constantly trying to improve um i i think for the vast majority of customers it's not the reason why they buy a product but it's a reason that they are more loyal to a product going forward and it might be affecting their lifetime value but in terms of acquiring a customer for the first time i don't think um sustainability actually unfortunately is the biggest driver i think that's going to change i think it's going to become more and more important but mm -hmm. like similar you know to fussy like people buy oil care because they want they need it to work you're not going yeah. to buy toothpaste you know if it's not going to work you're not going to wear uh, use a deodorant if it's not going to work so i think your products have to be really really good products they have to do what they're supposed to do they have to be really effective and it's absolutely necessary that it's I think going forward that it's sustainable or you're looking at it, you're trying to improve it. Um, 
because honestly in most industries like it, there isn't a huge amount being done and although it seems like a very topical issue we're really only beginning the sustainability conversation um and so you know it's just absolutely necessary for you to have that incorporated in your brand pillars um but not the reason to buy probably yeah i think what you say in there and i think just to reiterate what matt was saying when you go to search for a product you don't type in toothpaste good for the planet you type in toothpaste good for whitening toothpaste good for your gums toothpaste good for something because if you really didn't want to impact the the planet or you wouldn't use something do you know what i mean if you was going to go to zero for nothing to have zero impact it's like you still want to take care of yourself and you still want to it is an additional factor but mm. yeah that's why my teeth have went so yellow if i'm going to the planet <laughs> and i never brush them anymore <laughs> you're such an environmentalist adam <laughs> literally not... the least environmentalist yeah person ever. you're a consumer oh, through and through <laughs> You know, it's, it's, yeah. I know I always bang on about this book, but Byron Sharp, How Brands Grow, he talks a lot about how you think you've got like, you need multiple messages to connect with consumers. So for example, say you think, you know, the main reason customers buy the products is because they won't buy the teeth, which might be true. But he says, it doesn't mean you should emphasize other messages less because when you think of like Coca-Cola, for example, you say, oh, I'm thirsty. And then Coca-Cola pops into your head. But he said, people also think about Coca-Cola when they think, let's go to the cinema. And then they go, oh, I'll buy a Coca-Cola. Or let's go to, um, you know, I'm going to have a meal. So they think of Coca-Cola naturally when they get these thoughts crop up into their heads. And I think I've seen other brands as well. They become so obsessed with one message that they forget about the other ways to penetrate the markets. Yeah, and I think there's ways, so sorry, I think there's ways as well of communicating aspects without being so direct about every single message. You know, there's there's thoughtful ways to communicate messages um, as well. And I think this is where CRM comes in in all its glory, is where you have that opportunity to educate um, and drive awareness about the other aspects of your, of your brand. Um, I think that's where it's really impactful. Mm. Yeah. I think from a sustainability perspective, again, about like knowing who your customer is and what message resonates with them. If you wanted to, you know, have sustainability as your core brand pillar, like I think particularly in the US market, you're going after a very young Gen Z, yeah. you know, and oral care is, you know, it's for everybody. It's not for one particular segment or cohort of customers. So as a brand, you know, thankfully, you know, with having Lisa and Vanessa as founders, you know, we can, our core brand pillar is that we're created by dentists and that it's credible. And then it's also good for the environment and it also works, you know? So yes. there's something for everyone within that. However, if you were just going to solely focus down on a sustainable product, if you don't have either the credibility or the results-driven aspect of it, I don't think that you would have the the CLV, you know, that you need to have in order to grow a, a business. Yeah, you just talked in such a tiny portion of the market if you just lead in with that one. So I, I agree yeah. with you completely. Someone said they're going to send, I think, is it you, Leah, some Colgate? But you don't want that. You want the spotlight. <laughs> I'm not a Colgate fan. I'm not. <laughs> Glad to hear. Out. They're, they're burning down the rainforest. I'm not into it. She yeah, said no, it. No. Be gone with your Colgate. But <laughs> 
I would also say though, if you want change, like this is the thing as well, if you want change in, in the environment and, and to actually make an impact, then brands have to get bigger. You know, like you can't have small yeah, niche brands. Yeah. Like how are we ever going to go up against huge players unless yeah. we are mass? Like, so, you know, we're not a perfect brand, but we really do try to be yeah. pretty good, but you have to be available at mass. Like so that's our whole thing is that we don't want to be a niche brand that's costs like, 40 quid for a toothpaste we need to be available in every supermarket and in every pharmacy because that's the only way that's actually going to create change in the oral care industry yeah Yeah, exactly you need Um, to control aspects of the supply chain as well to have control over your margins otherwise like you said you're just at the mercy of the big players totally we were um when we spoke to james from fairly he was kind of bringing up like quite a similar thing saying you can have really nice products. The whole point of buying something, it's usually an investment because you're investing in yourself. But then it's like, if you're going to sit and scream at people being like, the world is burning, they're going to go, mm, well, now I'm upset and now I'm a bit scared and I don't, and now I feel bad about treating myself so I'm not going to buy it. It's that thing of like, it's got to come at the right time for the right people. But we still love hippies anyway. Yeah. Not Colgate. <laughs> totally agreed right go on ask um, your next question yeah. <laughs> um, so three pieces of software that you could not live without for um, D2C and I'm going to send it to Siobhan go on I feel like we have a pretty cohesive tech stack now over the last year. So if I, if I had to whittle it down to three, I would say um, having a really good data warehouse um, is really important. Um, and looking at uh, how you're looking at what your spend is, your CPAs, et cetera, daily, what's working, what's driving in terms of performance. And we've recently moved to Dacity for that. And we're finding that, you know, really helpful in order for us to be efficient. Um, Second of all, Clavio, um, because, you know, CRM is so huge for us as a brand, but also again, for like that capturing of that first party data and knowing more about your customer. just because it's on the top of my mind, because it's very topical for us right now as a brand, but we're we're growing our affiliate marketing and we've tried three or four different platforms and we've recently moved to Awin, which you know we're finding exceptionally user-friendly and very easy to grow our affiliate marketing within that. So um, you know, there's plenty of other platforms out there that are, you know, maybe a little bit cheaper or that you know you can access easier, but for us that that's been the most efficient one so far. With the affiliate marketing, any this is something again we've worked with a lot of brands that just haven't managed to get it going. How do you manage to actually get that going? It's a very topical conversation that we're having and every day about how we can grow it faster. But from from our side, it's it's resources and just taking the time to yeah. really look at it. It's not a channel that works without putting a lot of work into it, basically. Um, so, you know, really leveraging any uh, like marketplace opportunities that are available from within it. If you're doing cold outreach, that's never going to grow or scale. So you need to have um, a database of affiliates that are working and want to work with you um, and then find multiples of those people. Any software, 
Um, let me rephrase this actually. Is there any software you think, how often should stores get rid of software that's sort of bloating it up and like eating away at uh, the space and slowing the website down? Do you think that's like a missed opportunity to improve site performance? Absolutely. And again, it's another conversation. I feel like you were like bugging our office today. Yeah. <laughs> because it's actually a conversation that we had today again and, and looking at apps, et cetera, that we have plugged into Shopify. Look, I, I think with, you know, be it agencies or be it any tech stack, any third party that you have, any apps that you have integrated, like doing a quarterly review of all of those is just really important. Even from a PL perspective, like, you know, you could be paying fees for something that, you know, worked at one point and is currently not working anymore, or you've moved on and, and you know, it's just a good practice to do an audit of that every once in a while. Um, we try and limit the amount of apps that we have plugged into our site at any point for that sole reason um, in terms of the page speed. But you have to find then a balance of yeah. having a plugin or an app that may be slowing down your site, but that is giving a better UX or maybe as part mm -hmm. of an upsell. And so it's monitoring your conversion rate in line with your page speed and finding a balance across it. Yeah, I completely agree. Somebody uh, said they're going to defect to the other side. And I need to know who this LinkedIn user is, leaving the random I know, comment. I am very tempted to log, log into LinkedIn now. <laughs> I'm going to take a commission off any sale. We'll set you up on anyone. <laughs> they might work for Colgate. <laughs> they're coming to the right side. Um, okay, so for creatives so especially on social i know you guys on TikTok have done really well with the teeth whining pen and other like collateral do you have a formula for churning these out or is it just a case of you know see what sticks because this is a big topic in the industry at the moment especially with what's going on with facebook and other app platforms people are saying you need to test more creatives you need to test more like how do you guys approach this I think, again, this is one of those things that it comes down to resources and energy. You know, you need to you need to spend time. I, I we had a conversation during the week where I'm like, everybody in the marketing team needs to spend a lot more time on TikTok. Like you need to know the you need to get a really feel for the platform. And also you need to decide like, you know, like where who is your customer? And a lot of times when people talk to us and say, OK, your your competitor is Colgate or whoever it's not our competitor like our competitor is the next beauty brand like we sell you know options to whiten your teeth and make your teeth healthier but like our, a lot of our customers want to whiten their teeth you know so our our competition is another beauty brand selling another form of enhancing your appearance and so where are they you know advertising and what is the kind of creative that they're doing as well so like i look to other beauty brands for inspiration but i also think you just need to be on the platform you need to like get a feel for what other 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 brands are doing and what people are engaging with I think for us, because we're, we are the face of the brand, we're the founders, Vanessa and I, we're sisters and dentists, like we have a natural space to play um, in, in terms of on social. So like we have great fun on TikTok. We do a lot. We're, we're on our, our Instagram a lot. We do a lot of lives and a lot of interaction because that's a really easy thing for us to do. And it's like every brand has an opportunity in an, an area that's kind of more difficult for us. This is easy. And so like there's so much kind of um, 
trend-led content out there in oral care for us it's like myth busting it's like these are how you want your teeth this is why you should never use charcoal this is why this just doesn't work this is why you should never use household bleach to whiten your teeth like you know it's a, a bit of fun and it's also about setting your expectation like I look at social it's an engagement platform and I think you have to keep that really central to what you're what you're doing it's not a sales driver it's an engagement platform and the sales will come but you just have to make sure that you're offering proper value to a customer or, an, or a, a viewer because people are not there to be sold to. They're there, especially on TikTok. They're there to be, you know, entertained and informed and educated. Uh, and we've gone viral a good few times on TikTok. And it's because it's very authentic. And I hate that word, but very authentic uh, messaging. It's not even complicated. And it's also about trying lots of things and seeing what sticks. I'm trying to get Adam on TikTok. Uh, Adam I, bet Adam is, I bet he's a good dancer. You should right. definitely do something. He's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I've got, you know what? I've got videos to prove it, and I'll leave. I hope so. She, she called me. She called me um, two steps something. What was it the other night? Oh, I don't know. I thought they were unbelievable moves, but obviously not. That's I got it? my favorite Barry Kerrigan dropping in the flags there. <laughs> <laughs> So, so talk about people who like to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to leave this TikTok, you know, and I certainly don't need to be encouraged to spend any more time on it because I mainly just oh, no. communicate in TikToks. Like I just send them to people. I don't WhatsApp them. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> um, but you know, there's no, there's no formula really to it. Like we spend a lot of time looking at what's trending or we see fun ideas and, you know, we have like shared WhatsApp groups and like all like, put it in or someone of the creative team would put in and we'll be like Lisa and Vanessa we should do this this is cool like yeah. this is trending where people are doing that and it's actually just spending time on it and seeing what's fun and engaging and what's a good fit for our brand from what we're seeing so you heard it from our CMO's mouth here I can spend all the time that I want on TikTok <laughs> <laughs> it's a, when, they, I think, when they I say like a, a group oh, chat for TikTok you need a group oh, chat yeah, for TikTok definitely. yeah Oh yeah, just for TikToks. You I think me and Helen, Helen I'll stay out. Me and Helen would never get any work done. Me and me and my boyfriend now, when we go to bed, we have to give each other like ten scrolls each because otherwise it just goes on for hours and hours. And I'm going, look at this one, <laughs> look at this one. But it's, I think we should get on it, Adam. I've told you. Leah, this is getting really weird. Let's change subjects. <laughs> I think no, Adam. I mean, TikTok. We need to get on there. I don't want to know to do before that. It's no, literally how. <laughs> it's literally how I show love. Like, if I send you TikToks, it means I care about you. And if I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know. I'm still waiting for my first one. All of us are. Well, this is what I mean, Adam. This is why nobody talks to you. It's because yeah. you're not on TikTok. That's why you're not popular, Adam. You need to get on TikTok. I'm so boring. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it after this moving on to the last question uh <laughs> dan dancing and tiktok aside so it, it's very um hard at the moment to, it's easier than ever to store to store but it's very very difficult to grow what would your advice be both of you to anyone who wants to get involved in the space right now i know you go first lisa um I think obviously like really basic things like um, setting your expectations. Um, I think it's not just 
I think you need also need to look at your customers very clearly, how you're getting new customers, how you're retaining the customers that you have. Um, I think making sure that your messaging is super clear, really obvious things like make it really easy to use and simple navigation, very basic things. Um, and I think like kind of being going through it all the time. And it's so funny like Siobhan and I have this running joke. It's like, we, we look at lots of agencies online. Okay. They sound great at this. And, you, and then you go and you like try to inquire about working with them. And they're like, the thing, the link doesn't even work. And I'm like, come on guys, it's the functionality. Like let's make, make it work. So I think like trying to keep it simple, trying to keep it really clear about who you are as a company, trying to keep the functionality of it um, super simple. And I know they're very basic things, but like, Honestly, so many times you go on to buy something, I'm like it's like you're trying to make it difficult for me to yes. check out here. Like, is there like a code that I'm missing, or like it's just keep yeah. it simple. I would say, you know, don't try to do too much too soon. I think spreading yourself too thin is never going to be good because you'll never really be able to take a step back and look at what's actually working for you as a brand. So, you know, if you're if you're looking to break into D2C, start with your organic presence, you know, start with, you know, don't go and pay a celebrity ambassador, start with some micro influencers who want to try your, your product, get some good feedback, some good content from that, you know, what works in an organic basis will then work on a paid basis versus going and paying creative agency, you know, a hundred grand to produce a piece of content for you if you don't know that your messaging is right or you don't know that that's what's actually going to resonate with your customer. And then when you have those early adapters, you know, leverage them. They're the people who will be the most loyal to your brand in the long run. Um, treat them well. Have every customer touch point. You know, for us as a brand, customer service is so important to us as a brand that, you know, when a customer orders from us, they feel that appreciated by the fact that they have supported us as a brand. And, you know, we... It didn't it didn't, you know, cost us anything as a brand, but we did a customer appreciation week this year where we just did giveaways for our customers and thanked them and added handwritten notes into their orders and really leveraged that and the loyalty and you know the the kind of love that you get back from those early adopters and they'll tell their friends and you spread your word of mouth. So from that perspective, I just wouldn't go if you're starting out and go spend a ton of money on paid media to start with. I would really see what you can do at a low cost effective organic way and then use those early adopters to grow and scale your business. Yeah, because then you've proven a product market fits all you rather than throwing your life savings into something that might not work out. But I think in its essence, it's about having a great product and genuinely caring about your customers and for all like the marks and strategies and hacks and growth gurus you see ultimately when you look at the best brands i think it really just boils down to those two aspects it totally does and like you know for us like in spotlight it's like i'm always like kind of trying to bring people back to being more old school like you know so we did outsource our customer service bring it back in house and like we need a telephone line like people want to call like i i want to ring people and like ask them you know do you have any problems and like i want everyone to be able to reply to all our emails like do you have any do you not know how to turn on the toothbrush like do you have an issue with something like how can i help you brush your teeth like we have a free advisory service so anybody can come on it's nothing to do with our brand you can ask questions about oral care and I think it becomes it comes from a place that like we are healthcare providers. Like I genuinely care that people are getting a really good experience and that their oral health is improving. Um, 
And so like, if you keep that at the core, like you, you can't really go wrong in terms of how your customer feels that. Um, I think customer service is so important as well um, and have a genuinely like a fundamental part of your business. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that's a great way to end things because I can see in the comments and being absolutely abused by loads of different people. Good. Saying, oh, my dance, my hair. Um, gonna... Oh, wait, I'm going to show this one. See, Helen said she can come with incredible dance moves. Yeah. Oh, so did, so did Barry. <laughs> yeah, but I, talking about good product is key. Don't buy those turkey bags. Barry. <laughs> like a few points. for TikTok. Barry, you, you need to give the Spotlight staff a discount code. Where's some of your loyal yeah. customers over here? <laughs> Everybody loves Kerrigan Meats in, in Spotlight, so we're a fan. We're a big fan. Great quality. And obviously, if you want to find out more about Spotlight, spotlightoralcare.com is the easiest way. And if anyone wants to ask any more questions, best to just tag you guys on LinkedIn. Yeah? Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, ladies, thank you very much for your time. Massively appreciate it. But if anyone has any other questions, please just drop them in the comments. But if not, I'm going to end things here. Thank you.